You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app. Good afternoon. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. Malaysia recently conducted a midterm review of its national policy on biological diversity. So in response to the adoption of the Global Biodiversity Framework, which happened in December 2022, our national policy has been updated to be in line with the Global Biodiversity Framework. So the new strategy was unveiled yesterday and aims to fulfil global biodiversity targets by 2030. All of these are very crucial moments for Malaysia's dedication to conserving its natural heritage and its involvement in the worldwide endeavour to safeguard biodiversity. So today on the show, I want to discuss not just Malaysia's incredible biodiversity, but also its significance within the evolving policy landscape of Malaysia. And we also want to examine the challenges and opportunities that lie ahead and explore what actions we can collectively take to protect our rich biodiversity in the planet. Joining me to do that is Lakshmi Lavanya Rama Ayer. She's the Director of Policy and Climate Change at WWF Malaysia. Welcome, Lavanya. How are you today? Fine. Thank you, Julia. Thank you so much for inviting WWF and myself on the show today. Absolute pleasure. Uh, like I, I told you before we started the interview, I've been looking for an excuse to speak to you. So I'm really <laughs> happy to have you on the show with, uh, with me today. So we want to talk, of course, about the national policy on uh, biological diversity today, right? I mean, that is mm-hmm. the main focus. But before we get into that, you know, I, I think we should spend some time just talking about Malaysia's biodiversity. Uh, you know, for anyone who might not be familiar, uh, what is the current state of our biodiversity? Are there any specific threatened species or ecosystems that you would say require immediate attention? Yeah, this is such an important question. And I don't know how many Malaysians actually realize the wonders that we are privileged to have or be part of as uh, Malaysians. Uh, We are actually recognized as one of the uh, 17 mega diverse countries in the world. What that means is uh, all these countries put together host about 70% of all the uh, you know species globally mm-hmm. and we are one of them so it's it's amazingly extensive the kind of uh, richness we have in in nature uh having said that of course through the course of time uh we we are still that of course and and, and you know that uh, in 1992 we made a pledge to keep 50% of our um land under uh, forest cover and uh, you know, we are able to have uh, maintained that pledge. Uh, so to date, we still have, uh, you know, at least 50% under forest cover. Um, having said that, of course, you know, development and the pace of development and how it's been done, unlike, and it's similar to any other country in the world, it's caused a lot of threats to our biodiversity. Um, you know, so that includes, you know, habitat loss, poaching, climate change, of course, now. Uh, and so, um, unfortunately, uh, we are facing, you know, having species that are facing the threat of extinction. Uh, in fact, two um, of our, you know, terrestrial species, or two species of rhinoceros, the Sumatran and Javan rhinoceros, are now are sadly, look, you know, extinct in Malaysia. Similarly, the giant leatherback turtle. I think you all might remember, you know, people going to uh, Trunganu to see these huge turtles coming and uh, nesting. Yeah. They are actually functionally extinct, meaning they no longer nest consistently in the Malaysian beaches. So, you know, uh, there are, of course, other threatened uh, species. Uh, you would have uh, heard a lot about the Malayan tiger and, you know, how uh, we are really in the you know cusp of uh, 
uh, doing something about uh, protecting them. Otherwise, they are going to be, you know, gone from our, <laughs> our, 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 I mean, we are the ones who host Malayan tigers. So, yeah. you know, if it's gone, it's gone forever. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, glad to say that there is concerted effort now, you know, starting from, you know, the royalty to, you know, of course, the government and, you know, NGOs and the people really, you know, rallying together to protect our Malayan tigers. And of course, you know, there are other iconic species like our Bornean elephant, the pygmy elephants. You must go and see them. They are amazing uh, if you haven't already. Uh, and, um, you know, orangutans, of course. And, uh, you know, the, the other sea turtles like the green and hawksbill and olive ridley, they, these are all also under threat. And having said that, there are also, you know, ecosystems. We are, you know, we have amazing a span of a variety of ecosystems and some of these are also under threat like our limestone hills mm. our coral reefs seagrass beds uh you know the lowland forests which are often the places where we go to to you know uh, transform into other land uses like you know either plantations or housing etc uh and special ones like the galam forest or malaluka forest which some of us may know not, not know much about but they are really special ecosystems of course the peat swamp areas mangroves so yeah i just wanted to just uh, touch on the, all these various uh, amazingly rich ecosystems that malaysia hosts as well as species and um, so that we get a flavour of really what we are talking about here. Yeah, I mean, how incredibly blessed are we, right? Our tiny little country and we are home to all of these things. It's really quite spectacular. Um, it, Yeah, you know, like things like the Malayan tiger. Can you imagine if we lost it on our watch? I don't know. Like, I also don't know huh. how to explain that to my kids uh, if that should happen. But yes, like you said, a lot is a lot is being done. Um, And, you know, earlier you mentioned our protected areas, right? 50% and all of that, right? Can you explain how Malaysia defines its protected areas and... And uh, also, what role these areas play in biodiversity conservation? Sure. First off, uh, I mean, these are technical terms. We have our forest cover mm -hmm. um, and then we have the protected areas. So a lot of these things, I mean, are defined and established, designated, regulated, managed under various um, laws, under both the federal and constitutional laws and yeah. provisions for biodiversity conservation. So a whole host of things uh, that are there. Uh, but, um, you know, sometimes they are overlapping. So examples of protected areas uh, include things like national parks, state parks, you know, the marine parks, wildlife reserves, wildlife sanctuaries, and even some classes of our forest reserves. So just to quickly say that, um, you know, forest reserves, some of them are actually uh, areas where you can still produce uh, timber in a, in a sustainable manner, mm -hmm. meaning... Uh, you don't just clear cut everything and uh, change its characteristic altogether. Uh, you take, you are selective. You take a little bit, so the characteristic of a forest is retained while you still utilize it. Yeah. So mm -hmm. some of our forest reserves are like that. But when you talk about protected areas, that means nothing of that sort happens in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a slight distinction there. And of course, protected areas play a vital role in our biodiversity conservation by providing the safe ha safe havens for plants and animals. Maintaining ecological processes and also, you know, connecting all these fragmented habitats, right? And just wanted to highlight something which is very interesting. Um, you know, often we think about, um, you know, bio biodiversity, you know, our nature and all. It's nice to have things. Yes, I know I feel so happy and pleasant and, you know, satisfied when I go out in nature. I personally do it, you know, it sort of calms me. But um, there was a study done by the United Nations uh, Development Program, UNDP, 
along with the Ministry of Natural Resources, Environment and Climate Change, NRECCC, uh, using something called uh, uh, the pro approach called the economics of ecosystems and biodiversity. Mm -hmm. uh, to value, you know, these ecosystem services rendered by, you know, several of these many national and state parks. So just looking at Taman Negara National Park, the Royal Balloom State Park and the Andau Rompin National Park, they deliver a wide range of ecosystem services that, you know, until now, I don't think most of us even realize that there is an economic value to this. And that economic value, would you believe it, Juliet, is approximately about um, ranging from 428 million for um, the um, Anda Rompin mm -hmm. to 1.7 billion for Taman Negara. Yeah. And in between that, uh, you know, the, the Balom State Park is 531 million annually. Talking about annually, they're talking about huge values, and I just want to also add this: when we do these kind of economic valuations, it is just the tip of the iceberg what yeah. we are re recognizing, because you know essentially these values are actually invaluable, right? Uh, um, you can't really put a uh, value to it, but now, now there are methods to at least put some value to some of these, these these services and you're looking at figures like this already. Yeah. yeah? So, so I just wanted to highlight that. Yeah. Yeah. So you could say those are quite moderate actually, or modest uh, estimates actually, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And, yeah. and and we know so you know you mentioned all of that, right? And we also wanted to, I, I was also hoping you could explain the significance of Malaysia's biodiversity, not just on a local scale, but also on a global scale. Mm. So Malaysia's flora and fauna, uh, be it land or at sea, they, you know, obviously show this richness of the country's natural heritage, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that contribute to what we can maybe start regarding as our living ecosystem, and uh, which is something that we are all a part of, right? We are not separate from this. Without it, we don't exist. So, you know, we actually depend on it far more than we consciously pay attention to or, or you know, realize, are aware of. Nature is essential, not only to our people, but, you know, to the globe as well, um, but to our people, to our economy and our future, because it provides the essentials, right? The fundamentals, the food we eat, the air we breathe, uh, the water we drink, um, and it's really holding the you know, within it the foundation for life. Now, at a global scale, this whole um, issue of climate change uh, has taken, uh, the, you know, attention of people. And really... Climate change is this disconnected disconnect between our actions and what nature is uh, providing us so generously. So, if you look at it, these forests and we are host to this amazing, you know, rich tropical forests. They are the lungs of the earth. Likewise, for the oceans, the oceans actually absorb so much of this carbon dioxide that we are, you know, throwing out into the into the atmosphere. So, in that sense, yes, these ecosystems that we are blessed to host, uh, or are blessed to be part of, rather, or which are hosting us, rather, <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> are, are, you know, providing not just value to us as the people of Malaysia, but also, uh, you know, provide global um, uh, value, right? And, you know, also in terms of our uh, location, we are a biodiversity hotspot and we host a lot of these migratory species as well, you know, birds, fish and mammals. And these play also an important role in the ecosystem. They control pests, they pollinate plants, they disperse seeds. So, yeah, we are um, indeed very blessed and we, we play a significant uh, role uh, at a global scale as well. Okay. Yeah. 
All right. We're just going to go for a quick break, uh, Lavinia. When we come back, I want to talk about, you know, our national policy on biological diversity, you know, what that's all about. I think a lot a lot of us aren't quite familiar with it, so I'm going to get you to break that down for us. I'm speaking today to Lakshmi Lavanya Rama Ayer. She's the Director of Policy and Climate Change at WWF Malaysia. We're talking about, uh, as I mentioned, the national policy on biological diversity and also just Malaysia's incredible biodiversity and why we must do everything to protect it. We'll have more after this quick break. Keep it here on Earth Matters on the Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Earth Matters on the Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. On the line with me today is Lakshmi Lavanya Rama Ayer. She's the Director of Policy and Climate Change at WWF Malaysia. We're talking about all things biodiversity. Well, Malaysian biodiversity. Uh, we're also going to be discussing the National Policy on Biological Diversity. It's been under review. Uh, there was a midterm review. Uh, so what's happened there? We're going to find out more. Um, Lavanya is going to help us with that. So yes, I don't think many people are familiar with this policy, uh, Lavanya. Do you think you can help explain what it is? So it was from 2016 to 2025, it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. What would you say were the primary objectives of the policy? Yes, it is an important policy, but uh, yes, you very rightly pointed out, little known probably. In fact, it's the, the, the second of its kind for Malaysia. So the first one was actually the uh, formulated in 1998. Uh, and of course, these policies need periodical reviews. So the one you are referring to is uh, the second one. Mm-hmm. And um, it essentially seeks to conserve Malaysia's rich bi- biological diversity, as we discussed a bit earlier. Uh, you know, and um, to ensure that these invaluable resources are utilized in a sustainable manner uh, for the continued progress of our nation. So it's it's really making sure that we we connect to you know this resource or this this valuable natural capital that we have, uh, and uh, make sure that we are looking after this important capital, not not just uh, wasting it away, right? And uh, so the tar- there are many things in the in the policy. And the targets therein also become adopted in uh, national planning documents like the Malaysia plans. Mm. So both our 11th and 12th plans reflect the targets set for uh, protected areas in our marine and terrestrial areas. Uh, they are also the targets that we adopt when we implement our sustainable development goals. You know, So this is the genesis from where all these, um, it links up to all these other processes as well. And of course, at a global level, uh, Malaysia is a signatory to the Convention on Biological Diversity. Uh, just to to uh, give a bit of history on that, it came out in 1992 uh, during the important Earth uh, Summit Rio. in Rio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, along with the other important uh, conventions like the climate one, right? And um, so, our biological diversity policy forms part of our our response. Uh, to being signatory parties to the CBD. And um, the one that you referred to, uh, the 2016 to 2025 one, is based on something called the Aichi Biodiversity Target. So that is the CBD's strategic plan for biodiversity from 2011 to 2020. So we used that as also our, you know, we, we that, that, that was our basis also for formulating this uh, 2016 to 2025 um version. Yeah. Can you explain, you know, some of the key components? I mean, it's clearly a very, very important document. Uh, it's, you know, like you said, it informs so many different things, right, uh, in mm. terms of policy. So okay, uh, maybe you can provide uh, some, some an overview of some of the key components from the policy? Sure. So it's actually, I suppose, broadly divided into three parts. 
the first part is really the introductory part, you know, really to get people to understand why it, why diversity is so important. And it's written in a rather interesting way. It's in a very friendly way. It's like, you know, it's our responsibility. We need to do this. So it emphasizes in the introduction immediately that protecting biodiversity is a shared responsibility. Mm. Shared responsibility of all. It, we cannot say, oh, this is government's role or, you know, whatever. All of us, whether we are corporates, whether we are individuals, whether we are, you know, non-government organizations, academics, government, everyone, it's a shared responsibility because th this is our common heritage. This is our common future as well. So that is, you know, clearly stipulated as the genesis of our policy. The second part is really the heart of the policy and it outlines, you know, some of these, you know, more detailed uh, statements, principles, goals, targets, and so on, right? Yeah. Um and, and for example, our target is to have 10% of our marine areas protected in line with the Aichi target. And uh, then 20% of our terrestrial areas uh, to be protected by 2025. So for terrestrial areas, it's higher than the 17% that was set under Aichi. Mm -hmm. um, and the third part, the third section, is on the implementation framework. So it sets out, you know, the roles and responsibilities for the implement implementation uh, sets out some timelines as well, which is interesting. Uh, so it's, you know, time bound, uh, you know, sets up all these other things like coordinating platforms and all that. So it's it's quite comprehensive in the way it's set out, right? Uh, to to sort of explain what it's about, to sort of really see, say what it's driving at and also then setting out, you know, how it's going to be done. Yeah, I think that's important as well, right? Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and okay, so that's, so that's some of the key components, but through it, right? I mean, how does Malaysia actually define and prioritize biodiversity conservation within the context of the policy? Hmm, good question. <laughs> A very good question. So, you know, the prioritization is, uh, I suppose, essentially guided by two key review processes. Uh, and this really involves you know, significant amount of data mm. uh, collection and also stakeholder consultations. Um, so, as a party to the CBD, as I mentioned, we do periodically carry out a review of our national biodiversity targets so that we can track, monitor and report on the progress uh, towards achieving these targets. So that's part of our, if you'd like, obligation. Um, so we have done various of these reports called national reports. And the last one was uh, the sixth national report to the CBD, which was concluded in December of 2019. Now, secondly, the NPBD itself, you know, the policy itself, also provides for a review process uh, and it was supposed to be done in 2020 and, and you know, with the focal uh, ministry had already commenced it as a midterm review mm. back in 2020. But at this juncture, I think it is also very important for us to understand the complexities associated with the respect to effectively determining and implementing these policies, all right, and priorities. So, one of the challenges is that it's not the only policy document out there, but there are many others calling for development or extraction activities or transport, you know, for agricultural development. So there are so many competing things going out there. And there is unfortunately no clear hierarchy of what takes precedence or what takes priority. So that's one. Um, so often you have to determine it on a case-to-case -case basis. For example, like, you know, the Tioman Airport project that we recently saw, right? Yeah. And and then the second thing, of course, is this fundamental way our governance is structured, you know, constitutionally. So um, some of the aspects 
fall under the implementation of the ambit of the federal government and others under the state government. And uh, since land is under state jurisdiction, and that's the habitat of our biodiversity species as well, the decision to create these protected areas under the policy is ultimately a decision for the states to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, then yeah. then you need to have the federal government, you know, providing the right incentives to support this as well, right? So that synergy also is something that uh, needs to be there. It's, it's, it's slowly building, but it's, you know, a process, yeah. Yeah, I mean, always that state, uh, state, federal sort of dichotomy, right? That's always an issue when it comes to uh, framing these policies. Yeah, that, that's always a problem. But how does Malaysia then also address the sustainable use of our natural resources while conserving biodiversity? Right? I mean, speaking about that, that state, federal dichotomy. I mean, mm. that's always the issue that comes up, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you know, there are some mechanisms that are already being used, you know, in the country. Uh, to do to this to make sure that we are doing it uh, using all these this rich natural resources sustainably. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have this thing called integrated land use planning. Uh, so you don't just look at one area; you look at it from an integrated perspective, or you know, sort of taking a landscape approach to planning. Um, we have these things called instruments called the environmental impact assessments, uh, which also have uh, you know are, need to be used in certain uh, projects for development. Uh, we also have these. You know, certifications like um, sustainable uh, forest management practices through the Malaysian Timber Certification Standards or uh, the Forest Conservation uh, Forest uh, Stewardship uh, Certificate, FSC. Uh, For palm oil as well, you know, through the RSPO and MSPO, I'm sure you know of that as well, you know, Roundtable on Sustainable Palm Oil or Malaysian Sustainable Palm Oil uh, Certification. Um, You know, now more with, I suppose, the ESG kind of... um, um, uh, efforts as well, you know, these things are becoming, uh, coming, uh, becoming more mainstream. Uh, you know, recently there was, uh, I think, or maybe it's still ongoing. The uh, bank, uh, Bank Negara, is having an interesting um, conference, and there the governor said, you know, just like they're t- placing a lot of effort on uh, climate change, um, this issue of biodiversity also has to be mainstreamed into, you know, activities like yeah. uh, bank lending. Yeah. And and in fact, uh, Bank Negara, to their credit, you know, came up with an interesting uh, report a couple of years ago calling exploring nature-related risks to financial institutions, and came up with some really interesting top-line findings. Like fifty-four percent of their loans are actually dependent on nature functioning, uh-huh. and, and then eighty-something percent is uh, affecting you know nature's functionality. So you know, it's it's there are some very interesting things going on, um, and. Also, just wanted to highlight um, there are also uh, things like uh, what maybe WWF has uh, also embarked on. Uh, for example, you know, uh, adopting or responding to that shared responsibility uh, call mm-hmm. in the policy. Uh, we, in collaboration with many ministries, including the Public Works Ministry and the NRECC, uh, and also with you know uh, this uh, established consulting firm Oricon Lestari. Uh, developed um, uh, approaches to ensure that our road and highway construction, you know, linear linear infrastructure is done in a manner that is uh, biodiversity friendly or or incorporates biodiversity needs. So, you know, imagine if you have a road and you just think about, okay, I want to get from point A to point B, there's a forest in between, who cares? We got cut through it. You are affecting the habitat of the uh, the species, the biodiversity, and that then causes other problems, including this human-wildlife conflict, which we are also, you know, increasingly hearing about. So, 
uh, that we have established uh, with all these partners, an amazing collaborative effort that's been going on for the last two years with strong support, you know, from all the partners. Uh, and really, uh, um, and and you know, this this is uh, uh, we we've uh, come up with the training module which can be used by you know town planners, engineers, consultants, you know, uh, anyone when they plan these roads, and also a, a toolkit uh, which can enable budgeting for mainstreaming uh, the needs of biodiversity at the pre-planning stages. Oh, what happens now is you have a road that's planned. And then only at the EIA stage, you you know, these things start surfacing, which is too late because sometimes it's uh, already set in stone, right? And then making the changes, you know, costs uh, costs money and costs time. So there is a toolkit that enables that to happen at a much earlier stage so that it's all aligned and harmonized and you have finally cost savings and time savings. I just put a pitch that, you know, for your, for your listeners, you may want to look up the Rawang Bypass. It's a very interesting story. <laughs> Okay, that sounds like we have to do another show on that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay, we will, we will talk about that. Um, and But also, just, just want to talk about our endangered species, the ones that you were mentioning earlier as well, right? I mean, what sorts of initiatives and programs are there uh, that are in place, right, to, to, to keep them protected? So, I mean, like, you know, the Malayan tiger, for example, we know quite a few. Mm-hmm. Any others or uh, anything else you'd like to expand on, on that point? Yeah, I guess, I mean, our Wildlife Conservation Act itself is... Uh, primarily focused on that yeah uh, but you know more recently we have seen great initiatives coming out also from the government um, like um, the smart patrolling uh, where they use the skills of people who know the area best uh, like veterans and the orang asli in local communities so they become you know, boots on the ground to help with the protection, right, the patrolling. So it's efforts like this. And and I think increasingly this year also in the budget, they've provided for about 60 million for this and, you know, increasing the number of uh, people that can be engaged in this way. So it's these kind of things that we find are um, that, that can help. Just to add to that, um, there is also a Wildlife Crime Bureau. But I'd just like to say that um, for the um, boots on the ground, WWF had been doing something called Project Stampede. And again, this I wanted to highlight because it's, again, showing how shared responsibility can work. So we were able to do that, you know, with the uh, getting, engaging the Orang Asli uh, with the help of the funding that was given to us by Maybank. So, um, you know, this is how, you know, collaboration amongst different partners and parties can can really make something happen. And then now we see it happening at the, at the national level, you know, with annual budget provisions for, yeah. for this. Yeah, Which is awesome. I mean, I, I know I've been speaking to, you know, conservationists like you for like, I don't know, more than 10 years, 15 years now. And it's always been that we need more boots on the ground. We need people mm-hmm. to monitor. So this is, I mean, you know, a huge, huge win, I think, for, for conservation, definitely. Okay, so and also, uh, Lavanya, uh, we do know that the National Policy on Biological Diversity was uh, just had some revisions, isn't it? Can you talk to us mm-hmm. about some of the key changes, uh, you know, how that aligns? with the global biodiversity framework, all of that? Mm, sure. So as you mentioned, uh, the global biodiversity framework, that was something that actually came out last year. It was supposed to come out in 2020, but because of COVID, got postponed many times. And then it was supposed to be held in Kunming, and then it uh, it couldn't because of still the COVID issue. So it's now, it was the Kunming um, China you know, framework, but it was adopted in Montreal. So it's called the Kunming Montreal Global Biodiversity Framework. So Malaysia 
I told you, right, that we were supposed to review our policy, the one we were talking about earlier back in 2020. So the the process kind of started, but then the government rightly decided that, look, let's wait for the global biodiversity framework itself to come out before we we announce the uh, revised version of this policy. So since the, the, uh, the, the global biodiversity framework came out last year, uh, I think the process had then been re- restarted and uh, the policy itself has been uh, further refined, I understand. So yesterday was when uh, it was actually launched. Uh, there was a national conference on biodiversity, biological diversity, uh, which the minister, uh, uh, Minister Nick Nazmi, um, uh, came and launched the new policy, which is now called the National Policy of Bi- on Biological Diversity 2022 to 2030. But the full text of the revised uh, document is uh, unfortunately not publicly available just yet. Okay. Uh, so we'll have to wait to have a clearer and closer look at how Malaysia will be contributing towards achieving you know, the 2030 Global Biodiversity Framework uh, Agenda. But in the speech, we heard some interesting things. Um, it's going to be comprised of five primary goals and 17 targets and 61 actions. Let me just uh, highlight maybe two things particularly that um, uh, were of particular interest. One is, and the first thing that he highlighted was the interconnection between bi- biological diversity uh, and climate change. Hmm. Uh, as well as the need to address the impacts of climate change on biodiversity. So it's both ways, right? Mm, This linkage, yeah, which is a very important point. You know, they affect each other uh, both positively and negatively. So as you do good for one, the other improves. Uh, When one is not, you know, uh, progressing, the other is also going to suffer. So that interlinkage, I understand, has been uh, has been brought to the forefront in this policy from what I heard yesterday. Wonderful. The other one, of course, you know, coming maybe out of the COVID era, is recognizing the uh, relationship between the BioD and the health aspect, right? So using a one health approach. Uh, I know the country has also been looking at this uh, planetary health, you know, mm-hmm. how the three uh, areas of uh, human health, uh, planet planetary health and biodiversity health are all linked to each other. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing more uh, on what, what it contains. But these, these aspects are quite encouraging to see. But I think we also have to be mindful of certain things. For example, in addressing climate change, uh, we see this push for uh, things like, you know, large-scale solar plants or even going into the uh, rare earth element mining industry, which is, has been now you know, raised many times and Malaysia is looking at it seriously as an uh, economic growth in, uh, agenda. It's been mentioned a number of times. And this is where we have to be very cautious as well, again, right? Uh, in doing all these things, we cannot address climate change in a linear manner. It has to be done in a with, with all these things in mind, including what are we doing? What, how is it going to affect our biodiversity? Yeah. So, you know, when we look at expansion of this REE mining, rare earth mining, we really need to make sure, and then, you know, really that, that there should be no-go areas. And those no-go areas should be, uh, even if they are mineral rich, we shouldn't go and uh, try and extract, you know, these minerals from, you know, environmentally sensitive areas, protected areas, forest uh, areas, native customary rights areas. You know, the, these should be no go. The red line should be drawn there. I, and I say this because recently, you know, even local experts have warned against this. 
uh, there was an article recently where a professor, you know, in university has warned that in China, the experience of doing this has cost, it come with a high cost. There's pollution of water, you know, loss of biodiversity, health effects. Uh, so we we really don't want to go down that path here. So okay. so we have to take a careful look at all these things in a comprehensive way, you know, and not just maybe chase something because, you know, it might look profitable, mm. you know. Okay. So, so I guess we'll have to uh, catch up with you again to get the the full sort of uh, key changes for the, uh, based on the revision, isn't it? So we will do that. Um, but you know, in relation to the work that you do, and you know, all the other conservationists, you know, are any specific projects or success stories related to biodiversity conservation in Malaysia that you'd like to highlight? Yeah, I think you know we have uh, quite a lot of nice stories that uh, come out of our country, which I think we should share more of. Uh, you know, there are positive things. For example, I mean, let's start with the the, the growing um, uh, recognition for what nature provides through the budget, right? So, you know, we had our budget 2024 announcement a couple of weeks back. Uh, the ecological fiscal transfer. This is a transfer from the federal coffers to states for protecting their marine and uh, terrestrial, uh, you know, eco- uh, important ecosystems, right? And um, it started with 60 million, I think, back in 2019. It's gone up to 200 million today. So, and this is a good trend. This is what we need to see. Um, so that's that's good. Uh, we are seeing that in, in you know on a on a good trajectory. And as we talked about, also you know the increase for the community rangers and all that recently is also a nice um, uh, trend that we are we are seeing annually. The budget provides for orang asli and all to be involved in the rangers activity. I'd like to maybe highlight a couple of things that that are coming up. Again, building on uh, this focus, which we were really glad to see on uh, the dual relationship of biodiversity and climate change uh, that both the Secretary General of, and the Minister of NRECC highlighted yesterday. Um, happy to say that WWF, along with Think City mm-hmm. uh, and Boston Consulting Group, are uh, trying to raise awareness and promote climate action uh, in cities, right, to build um, resilience through what we call nature-based solutions, using nature's uh, power to adapt to climate change, you know, the increasing floods, the rising temperatures, and being informed by data analytics and artificial intelligence. Hmm. So using, yeah, nature, you know, something that we have had the wealth of and using, you know, newer approaches, newer technology to to bring these two together and really improve our living and this is going to be across Southeast Asia. So we call it, uh, we will be launching it soon you know, in COP28. Uh, it's called the CCAR Alliance or Southeast Asia Climate Adaptation and Resilience Alliance. And that's really to build this uh, partnership across Southeast Asia because we are actually quite a vulnerable region. Uh, and, um, you know, most of our populations are in cities uh, and you know that's growing as well. And these cities are quite exposed so, and we are facing more risks, but we we need to really focus on this. So, so that's one thing that's coming up. And the other thing that I want, want to say in that context, our, our partner Think City has actually already successfully obtained a global grant of about 10 million US dollars from this part of a fund called the Adaptation Fund okay. uh, to undertake climate adaptation efforts using this nature-based solution uh, approach in parts of Penang to build this resilience to climate impacts. So, so that's already underway. Uh, and another nice example that I also wanted to share, Juliet, is uh, within the Greater Klang Valley, 
there is a very important project being done by the Malaysian Nature Society, you know, where they are looking at um, undertaking connection of these isolated green spaces within Klein Valley for the benefit of wildlife and communities. So that the wildlife also have like a space, like a highway through which they can pass through to their own habitats. Right? It's an amazing project. And uh, really, you know, Julian, you may want to, you know, chat with them. Yeah. yeah, them as well as Think City on all these things. So some really interesting things going on. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I think I mean we are doing a lot, and uh, you know, hopefully with the the revisions in the in the policy as well, you know, we'll just keep that effort up uh, going, right? But just one more thing, I wanted to ask you, Lavinia. You know, does the policy address public awareness, perhaps as well? Uh, you know, mm. the understanding of these issues that we've just been talking about in any way? You know, are there any educational or outreach programs that are in place that you can tell us about? I, I believe, yes. I mean, the SEPA, as they call it, right? Um, about communication, engagement, uh, public awareness is one of the key uh, bits of, uh, key, key part of the of the policy. But how, whether it's it's really concerted, right? I mean, mm-hmm. how effective it is. So I, I can only speak of the efforts that, you know, maybe we as WWF undertake, right? Um, so we... Uh, do a lot of these campaigns and, uh, you know, put out a lot of materials to to really bring to the understanding or public understanding, you know, why cli- the, 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 the biodiversity is so important to us. Because that's often not known. You know, people think, for example, just a very crude example, that the water that we drink comes from, well, I used to hear taps. Yes. But recently I heard that there is a you know kindergarten teacher who asked this question and she and the response from the child was, Oh, it comes from the Kowei, right? <laughs> so <laughs> Oh, I thought oh it gets worse, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. So I mean people do not understand that it actually it actually comes from the forests, right? The yeah. forests are the regulators of not just our climate, and they are the lungs, but they also regulate this water cycle. And that water cycle is what provides the water that runs through our rivers and, uh, and, and recharges our groundwater. And that's, you know, the river water is what we use for, for our domestic use, our industrial use, for our agricultural use, right? Uh, and today's paper says that, you know, seven of our reservoirs are under stress, mm-hmm. including because of climate change, yeah. right? So I think we need to know, do more about this. Uh, not just, I mean, to the public, but also to everyone who is also undertaking efforts to address these issues, that we need to fix our problem with nature first. And then these problems won't arise. Even, you know, the, the, the water treatment plants, you may not, you don't need to treat it so much if if you allow nature to provide its own services in terms of cleansing, you know, uh, the water, the air, uh, you, you know, you won't need to to do to, to, purchase all these these um uh, or, or you do so much uh, cleaning processes right and even now i mean today of course government is also investing like you know 11.8 billion i think to support these 33 flood mitigation projects right that was also announced in the budget to prevent future disasters that is good but again we need to really see what the root cause of these problems are which often stem from the destruction or mismanagement of nature and this we should prioritize, right? Yeah. Uh, using these nature-based solutions uh, that really harness the power of nature to address all these societal challenges, you know, climate change, uh, also the mitigation, also food security, all these things. So that awareness, I think we really need to uh, build further, mainstream it. And also that's why the, that green budgeting toolkit is one way to mainstream it across 
different, you know, areas, you know, so for example, there, the road construction, the EFT that helps. So there are certain things, but that mainstreaming effort across uh, society, you know, uh, across the corporate sector as well, you know, Bank Nagara has already mentioned it, as I talked about, you know, of course, you and me, we are the ultimate uh, people who also need to appreciate this so that we can make the right choices in our consumption as well. So yeah, that is a very important point. And Thank you, Juliet, for this opportunity because what you're doing is helping with that. <laughs> small part, small part we all play. Uh, we try <laughs> we try to do what we can. Well, but Lavinia, thank you so much, uh, you know, for joining us today, uh, for joining me today. Um, before I let you go, any last any last comments, any concluding comments that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Um, I think, you know, change starts with us, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's Gandhi's words, not mine. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> But I think we really need to embrace that and uh, look at ourselves uh, when we when we decide that what is priority and what is not mm. uh, and make sure that we understand really that we are part of nature not apart from nature right as we often assume and think and behave in the context of understanding our connection with nature uh, yesterday during the talk by the NRECC minister uh, minister Nick Nazmi he made a very uh, important uh, point or gave a very very interesting example. So he said, you know, look at it this way. What is important to us as Malaysians? Durian, right? <laughs> now, <laughs> durians are actually something that we enjoy because of the biodiversity around us. So he said, you know, people in the city sometimes say, hey, I don't get durians. I plant the tree, but I can't get it. Why is that? Because you don't have kelawa, the bats around you, right? Yeah. And the bats are the crucial uh, ingredient, if you like, in order for us to enjoy durians. So this is the kind of connectivity that we have to start making. And I, you know, I'm glad that the minister made that kind of example. Very, very real, very relevant to us Malaysians. Yeah. Lavanya, thank you so much uh, for joining me today. I was speaking to Lakshmi Lavanya Rama Ayer, the Director of Policy and Climate Change at WWF Malaysia. We were talking about Malaysia's incredible biodiversity, uh, you know, what's contained in our national policy on biological diversity, uh, which was just under review, uh, and some key points from there. If you'd like to find out more about the work that WWF and Lavanya do, uh, just head to www.org.my or you can follow them on social media. But if you miss any part of our conversation today, you can always search for the podcast at bfm.my slash earth or you can find it on the BFM app. This has been Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. 